0: A of Parents' Rights in Education, hosted by Suzanne Gallagher. We are committed to valuing students, empowering parents, and supporting communities to secure great educations for public school children in America. PRE welcomes all students, families, and community members who care about scholastic success for K-12 public school students. Visit our website, parentsrightsined.org, and like us on Facebook. Join us by filling out the form on our website titled, Join Us. You will find information regarding issues and information about local and state chapters. Welcome back. Today is Monday, the 7th of November, and today I want to talk about elections. Tomorrow is election day. Many of you have already received your ballots in the mail ahead of time. I hope you voted. It's really, really important to get those ballots in and get them in on time. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I've authored two books. Uh, The first one was a book about my profession. I'm an interior designer, and I specialized in art and custom framing placement and design. And so I wrote a book titled The Fine Art of Wall Design. But one thing you may not know is that just before I published that book, I ran for political office. I ran for office in 2004 for the House of Representatives in the state of Oregon. And I lost. Now, I didn't realize how competitive I am, but I am, I am massively competitive. And I discovered that after I ran for an entire year, I had a contested primary and then one of the most contentious races in the state of Oregon. It's a story uh, that I wrote in 2008, after I published my Fine Art of Wall Design book. And that booklet is titled, More Than Prayer and a Vote. So I'm just going to start out with this and, and um, give you a little bit of Encouragement and motivation to get involved in elections. So for the record, I have to address the obvious up front. It may be construed by some that my story is just a reflection of a sour grapes attitude because the outcome of my electoral race was a loss. If I had won, would the message be any less necessary? Uh, No, it wouldn't. True, the election was a grand disappointment. However, I will admit and others concur that my personal life is much better because I did not win. If that sounds selfish, well, I guess it is. Serving in the legislature is no picnic. I might have driven my fellow legislators crazy with my get-to-it attitude, efficient use of time, and extreme dislike for rambling verbiage. I know that the media is upset as they would have loved attacking me as they generally do with politicians of integrity and conviction to moral principles. Nonetheless, my loss for a House seat was critical because it brought us closer to losing the majority. It was the House of Representatives who kept many pieces of liberal legislation from making their way to the governor's desk and becoming law. Final straw? During the next election cycle, we did lose it. All of it. Alas, in 2007, all three branches of the legislature were controlled by the liberals. The majority rules, and they certainly did. They revealed their real agenda by passing domestic partnership laws, overriding the initiative passed by the voters in 2004 to protect traditional marriage. They continued to move Oregon further into socialism, threatening the middle class while not enforcing laws to report and arrest illegal immigrants, jeopardizing the basic protection of citizenship and liberty. We lost everything because the other side slowly and persistently took control. Where were you? God's people have been asleep at the switch when it comes to elections. We are not really committed to winning unless you consider, well, maybe football. No, that doesn't count. When future lives are at stake, some very good people have been let down, people we should be helping and supporting. We are being intimidated and run out of town by those who are committed to winning. Secularist liberals. Apathy is not just an Oregon phenomenon. It is common knowledge within national policy and legal organizations that God's people have lost much of their chutzpah when it comes to engaging the culture and getting involved in defining the laws that govern them. Uh, us. About the time our original 13 states adopted their new constitution in 1787— Alexander Tyler, a Scottish history professor at the University of Edinburgh, had this to say about the fall of the Athenian Republic some 2,000 years earlier. A democracy is always temporary in nature. It simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. A democracy will continue to exist up until the time that voters discover they could vote themselves generous gifts or entitlements from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always vote for the candidates who promise the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that every democracy will finally collapse due to loose fiscal policy, which is always followed by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations from the beginning of history has been about 200 years. During those 200 years, those nations always progressed through the following sequence. Number one, from bondage to spiritual faith. From spiritual faith to great courage. Item three, from courage to liberty. Four, from liberty to abundance. Five, from abundance to complacency. And from complacency to apathy. And number seven, from apathy to dependence. And number eight, from dependence back to bondage. Professor Joseph Olson of Hamlin University School of Law, St. Paul, Minnesota, believes the United States is now somewhere between the complacency and apathy phase of Professor Tyler's definition of democracy, with some 40% of the nation's population already having reached the governmental dependency phase. This is serious. It is happening. But we can and we must stop this trend towards socialism and a godless society. We can and we must get energized and get moving, or the freedoms and opportunities we covet will be lost forever. So I go on to describe the why. This is a quote from the Bible, James 1, through 25. not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. When I accepted the request from the majority office of the Oregon House of Representatives to run for office, it was without question a prayerfully considered commitment. I knew that it would require tremendous personal sacrifice, not only from me, but my husband and extended family members, I believed then and now that candidacy for office is truly a commitment in the spirit of representation of others who share common convictions and beliefs. It was in that spirit that I threw my hat, well, actually my whole body, (laughs) into the ring. I think back to my double election runs, primary and general, and the sacrifices my husband, Jack, and I personally made financially as well as emotionally. We both have commission-only businesses. Not surprisingly, our income took a severe hit in 2004, but we were committed to doing so because of the importance of the public policy issues at stake in our country at this time. There were great personal sacrifices, too, related to our family life in general and the care of elderly parents. Great pressure was placed on us to raise money and rally volunteers. Jack made many phone calls to potential contributors. We held fundraising events, which required many hours of planning. I drove hundreds of miles to attend every lobby interview and issue seminar to garner financial support from those who have an interest in candidate selection. Nearly every morning, I dressed in business attire and drove to lobby appointments. I knocked on 8,000 residential doors in my legislative district during the primary and 14,000 doors during the general election. Now, keep in mind that there are substantial hills where we live. I walked my district with my campaign manager almost every night until dusk. In addition, I placed over 5,000 phone calls to voters, substituting coffee and power bars for dinner with family. We leaned on our friends and those who stepped up to volunteer in the election process. They gave time and money because they believed, as I did in the process, values and purpose of our mission. The opposition campaign strategy was brutal. They attacked me with a vengeance, lying about my character and my stand on issues. My reputation was devalued, and I decided that it would all be worth it in the long run. At least my camp was supportive of me, right? I was so convinced that this race was a divine call to action. But when the net effect was an election loss, my faith was shaken And my resolve to impact our godly heritage for good came into question. I lost by a mere 800 votes, or really only 401 votes. In all of this, I had expected that God's people would rally to my side and support me. Certainly those in my church family who had known me for years would. The truth is... That most smiled and wished me well, but looked for excuses when the invitation to help was extended. Why? The future of the United States of America and protection of the liberties at risk are all under attack. They include traditional marriage, parents' rights. See, there it is, guys, parents' rights. Children's rights to innocence the right to life from conception to natural death, the right to worship and express individual religious beliefs, individual property rights, the right to create wealth and keep it, freedom from socialism, oppression, taxation, and government regulation, and America's national sovereignty. These are God-given, inalienable rights that we should cherish. But do we? Really? What we do when it comes to civil government, voting, and supporting godly candidates will determine the ultimate outcome. My prayer is that the following pages will convict and empower you as a person of faith to take action in the next election in support of the principles and values embodied in our constitution i pretty much decided that i would put this book to rest in fact i sold out all of the copies and i thought well i think i think it was the timing i think it was too soon it really hasn't gotten bad enough It was four years after I lost my race when the Oregon legislature passed the Equality Act, basically adding sexual orientation to the protected minority status under the Equal Rights Amendment in the state of Oregon. And so we have had it here since 2009. In other words, if we don't teach anal and oral sex, then we're discriminating against other students who are prone to participate in other sexual activity. You know I don't support it. But look what happened with one vote in the legislature. I've decided I'm going to republish the book, and I was reading just today um, some of the comments that had been given to me over time from others who read this booklet. Now, here's one from a fellow who I attended church with. He said, Thanks for more than prayer and a vote. Just finished it. Wow. Your prayer was that it would, quote, Convict and empower you as a person of faith to take action in the next election in support of the principles and values embodied in our Constitution, unquote. My friend, Your prayer has been answered. I have been increasingly discouraged with politicians of both parties for their constant spin and what I consider a total lack of intellectual honesty. The temptation, while absurd in light of all I believe and what you so eloquently reiterated, is to turn away from it all. Thank you for reminding me that is clearly not an option. At the very least, I purpose to become more involved than I ever have before in the upcoming election. I would love to get my hands on a few more copies of your book. I'd like to share them with my kids, 19 and 23, and some folks in my community group. I really think it's very effective in shedding light on the political process and how important your grassroots involvement is. Thank you. Rick Tillman. There it is. There's my announcement. Now I'm committed. I've told more than one or two people that I'm doing this, and uh, I am going to. And I pray that this election is going to get us closer back to where we need to be, guys, in, in protecting parents' rights and so many other individual rights that we are losing in our nation. This is Parents' Rights Now. Please check your show notes for links pertinent to this podcast. Please consider making a monthly contribution to Parents' Rights in Education. We need your help. We have big plans in mind, and because of a very generous one-time contribution of $25,000, We are challenging our listeners and our readers, all of our supporters, to match that. Gives $12 a month. If there were only 500 of you, that would tally up to $6,000 a month, almost tripling the $25,000 check we just received in one year. Be part of that club. We call it the 12 by 12 club. A link to our website is in the show notes or go to parentsrightsined.org. See you soon.